This is Life I Swear, where we share stories and reflections from Black women about trials in their lives that have helped them heal, connect, and process. Every week, we hold space for storytelling that both challenges and inspires us to be good to ourselves. I'm your host, Chloe Dulce Livueso. Since 1968, the Folgers Poetry Reading Series has brought hundreds of distinguished poets to read from their work on stage. A new virtual poetry writing workshop titled Shakespeare's Sisters, Say Her Name, will be led by poet and Folger poetry coordinator Terry Cross Davis and poet and author Kim Roberts. This workshop explores the poetry of Black women in America encouraging workshop participants to write responses to esteemed poets of the contemporary moment. The workshop will be offered in two four-week sessions, and courses will run virtually on Wednesdays from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, now through December 1st. To register, visit Folger, F-O-L-G-E-R dot E-D-U slash Shakespeare's dash sisters. Salem Afengide, a lawyer and sexuality anthropologist from last season who shared how the integration of her sexuality made her feel like a whole person. This idea of feeling whole and not fragmented, accounting for all of the pieces that we are and experience, all of the body triggers that move or awaken something in us, is something I'm really leaning into since speaking with Salem. And that conversation led me to this one we'll now hear from Brianne Patrice. Brianne is a mother and a sensuality doula. What does this even mean is a question I had when I was first introduced to her. In this chat, Brianne breaks down for us how she sees sexuality, sensuality, and spirituality mastering their own lane but also overlapping. And when they do, this is the wholeness we speak of. There is autonomy we all have, if we so choose to tap into it, to seek and demand pleasure in all of its forms. And what I'm learning in these conversations is that when we experience pleasure in one area, we raise the bar in other areas of our lives that also demand pleasurable experiences. And now... Brianne shares more. Hello, Brianna. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I am good. And I'm, I think this is the, the second or third time we've spoken, but I have to say that I am so intrigued by your work. So I am excited <laughs> for this conversation. Every time we have spoke, you're so thorough in how you process your work. And what sparked my curiosity about sexuality as this spiritual experience um, was last season when I spoke to a woman by the name of Salem Afengide, mm-hmm. and she is a sexuality anthropologist, mm-hmm. and you are a sexuality doula, and I would love, love, love for you to explain what is that, and we'll get into how you 
grew into that work, but can you define sexuality doula? So as a, as a, a sensuality, sexuality doula, I really just serve as a bridgeway for Black women to be in intimate community with themselves, their body, their environment, their pleasure, and just really allowing them to be creative and adventurous in the way that they are allowed to express their sensual and sexual self. I love that. I love that. And um, it was Doriana Diaz who connected us. And when she when she made the introduction initially, I was so excited. And so <laughs> I would love to just get right into it because there are so many gems that you have to share that are rooted in your personal experience. Mm-hmm. And all of the conversations I have, I love to base them in stories. And I don't think you can truly understand someone or appreciate their perspective without having a sense of who they are, where they're from, where they've been and and what they've gone through. And so I am interested, you've, you've spoken to me about you being, you know, this Southern girl, your father being from New Jersey, your mother being from Dallas and both sides, you know, being extremely religious. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious in terms of your own story, how did those two elements, being Southern and Christian, influence how you saw yourself and your behavior around sensuality um, in general? Mm, I think my upbringing, it didn't really allow me to see myself, honestly, truly. I quite literally had this conversation with my mother the other day, and I was telling um, my grandfather that, like, I was thinking about going to school because I, I wanted to become a sex therapist. And my mom looked at me just, you know, all shock and surprise. I was like, I can't believe you're out here helping women, <laughs> you know, have orgasms. And she was talking about how she never masturbated. And I'm like, that might be your problem. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I like, you know, I love my mother. She did the best that she could with, you know, the knowledge and the information that she had at the time. But I also, for the very first time, blatantly told her, like, Mom, the way that you educated me and my sisters on sex was, like, wrong and misinformed. Like, it was basically like a scared straight program, but for, like, sex. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, all of the things that goes into, you know, identity and Mm -hmm. having a body and or what it means to have to be aroused you know just any sense of pleasure we didn't have those conversations instead it was like a you know you you if you have sex you're gonna get pregnant and then you're gonna get out of my house or if you have Mm -hmm. sex and you know you don't get pregnant but you'll get an std and so we were like she had us like watching these videos where you where you have you know all of the various STDs that you can get mm. and or you know, just, oh my god uh, it, it, like <laughs> the worst the worst <laughs> and so <laughs> and I'm so, like clutching my pearls right now <laughs> what it was it was a lot and so it, I was very much just don't have sex and. I really had this deep belief in myself when I was like a child and a teenager that I was going to wait until I was married to have sex. I was like, really? Like, that was ingrained in my head to do. And then 17 came and I fell in love and I was like, I don't want to wait. So I, you know, I lost my virginity at 17, but like, I still walked around with 
like some guilt and some shame and uh you know just wrong this this wrongness that I was gonna go to hell I kept it a secret (laughs) or whatever because I didn't want to face my mother and it's just really like interesting how we put so much shamefulness and we just have all of these harmful conversations around sex and sexuality especially when we are in the confines of religion we only seen are taught that it is accessible through the ritual of marriage and Pleasure in any right, whether it's sexual pleasure or non-sexual pleasure, isn't something that we have to wait to achieve or attain or experience just, you know, when because we're attached to another person. Like your pleasure is, is personal. Only find and seek pleasure when attached to a male, to when attached to a man. It is wrong. Like we should, I should be able to know what pleases me in in any aspect any way that I choose to define my pleasure should be coming from my own voice and should not be waited until I'm like 30 and married and now a man is telling me what it is Mm -hmm. that I enjoy or do not enjoy I don't want that for black women I don't want that for my my 10 year old daughter so we have conversations I want her to really have these experiences as a 10 year old so then at 16 at 17 at 18 at 23 she'll find other ways and be more comfortable you know further understands and further becomes aligned with what it means to have both sexual and platonic pleasure because as much as I don't you know we're moms like we don't really think of our children (laughs) as being sexual creatures but it's gonna come one day so I want her to have that comfort Mm. in knowing at least what it means to have platonic pleasure what it really is to, to seek that in and be fully embodied in it. So then when she's older and has a full understanding of sexual pleasure, she is not afraid. That's so good. I have so many many (laughs) questions. I'm going to get back to your daughter Mm because I really want to dig into like what you're teaching her about feminism and needs. Mm -hmm. But back to, you know, how you grew up, I'm wondering with that so ingrained in you, you know, the, the basically looking at being in touch with your sexuality or sin, how did you unlearn what you've been taught about sin and, oh. and how it relates to sex and, and knowing your body? I'm still unlearning, um, honestly, but it, it was in 2016, if I have, if I've been completely and totally honest, my, my daughter was, um, was diagnosed with uh, a kidney disease in like 2014. And she was diagnosed in 2013. We were in the hospital for like six months. I had all of these things was going on. And so um, I had to send her for a second opinion up here on the East, which is where she's still being cared for. And um, within all of that, was still trying to figure out, I was post-grad, like undergrad. So I got my degree or whatever. I just ended my engagement to her father. And I had just got a new apartment, just got a new car, like at the time, feeling like I was stepping into my, my adulthood and just got my first adult job, if you will, or whatnot. And then a month after I got my job, she got sick. And it was just mm. all of it, that one moment spiraled. Ironically, what really kind of kicked things off, too, was me being in church one Sunday. And I completely, like, was at the altar, like, crying on my knees and was just like, you know, like something's got to give God, like something has really got to give. Cause like, um, 
walking. I'm near my thirties. I'm like 24, I think 25 at the time. I'm like, but like uh, the thirties are coming. I'm like, in this cycle i need to know what's happening i'm not i know what i want to do with my life but i don't know exactly how to get there so i completely i was like in whatever way i need you to completely break me down and then rebuild me up Mm. and ironically i no longer go to church which is like i (laughs) i started there and then like don't but i still like closely am in community with god and spirit because while i no longer associate myself with religion and Christianity, I will always find home within my spirituality and what it means to be in conversation with spirit and my ancestors in the way that feels right and necessary to me. And um, so say all I have to say, like I lost the job that was paying for her, her medical needs at the time. And I was in Birmingham on my second engagement. And <laughs> um, I was like, this isn't working. Like nothing in Birmingham is holding me anymore. Like nothing is holding me. And so I'm talking to my fiance. He didn't want to leave. And I was like, well, I got to go. Because it's like, yeah, there, Birmingham had become a place that was just riddled with so many painful emotions and memories for me. And so I was like, I can't fully thrive here and still be reminded of such pain in, in at every corner of this mm-hmm. city. So I was like, I need a fresh start. So I called my dad, who lives in New Jersey. I called him, and uh, it was like a Tuesday, I think it was. I called him. I was like, I want to move, and I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I want to. And he bought me a one-way ticket to New Jersey. I packed up a suitcase, two suitcases, and and that was it. Didn't come back for nothing for real until like a few months later. I packed up some boxes and shipped my clothes and sold everything else that didn't really have any value in it. 2016 is when I moved, and that year was the first time in probably my entire existence that I made an an intentional decision to, like, really be single, like, single, single, like, not have nobody ever, no man in my presence, like, at all, like, just Mm -hmm. single, not somebody I could call you know, when I need my ego strokes or, or I need, you know, it's a uh, scratch, like none of that. It was no entertaining of nobody. I completely was like, I, I have no, I have nothing to offer to myself. Mm-hmm. So I have nothing to offer to anybody else at this point in time. So I sat there and I was really, you know, I was really thinking about how my relationships have always been in the guise of my, in the gaze of my mother. And listening to her about how you know you got to find a husband and have kids and just all these things and I was like I don't really identify with somebody who wants to be married and so that was the first year I really asked myself like what did what do you Mm -hmm. want like Mm -hmm. what do you want and I've always like considered myself to be spiritual I've always considered myself to be sexual because even as a as a teenager I masturbated but still had shame around it and, and as I got older, I was like, why am I, why am I, why is this so shameful for me? And so I really did a deep dive in, into, you know, what it meant to have this body and what it meant to explore and to please this body and how it's not wrong. Like, it's not wrong for you to want to feel alive because really these experiences are, you know, helping us to, to remember our humanness and our, like, manifestations of our physical human Mm -hmm. body and our and our human experience and that is not wrong for me to want to have this remembrance every day Mm -hmm. and so it was it really took me to sit here read and educate myself 
you know, spend time with my senses and find out what it meant to activate, you know, sight and what it meant to activate sounds and what it meant to activate taste and, and touch. And sitting here and, and noting and being okay with saying that this, again, I can say it, and I'm going to keep saying it, that it's not wrong. I was having a conversation the other day about ego mm-hmm. and how I had this very linear understanding of what ego was. I always just thought of it as like conceit. As I've gotten older and have been more intentional about my mental health and wellness and just all of these things, I realized that ego is so much bigger than that. It is e- Ego is also that voice in our head telling us that it's wrong, telling us that we can't, telling us that we shouldn't, telling us that we are, are unqualified or whatever. That is also ego. When in my pleasure, when like reprogramming and, and redefining and unlearning all of these things, I had to switch the conversation from ego telling me that I'm going to go to hell, from ego telling me that I'm wrong, from ego telling me that, you know, my mother is going to be upset or just some whatever and switch it to the fact that I'm a grown ass woman <laughs> <laughs> and I pay my own bills. I have my child. I do all of these things for myself. There's absolutely no reason why. I cannot dive into the depths of my own ocean. Mm. There's no reason. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, once you adopt that, that mindset, you really live differently. Yes. Yeah. You really live differently. One thing, you know, when we talk about the human experience, one thing that you kind of, you kind of alluded to earlier is that when you have that mindset around sexuality and your how you're using your body and honoring your body and pleasing your body, you mm-hmm. have that mindset in other aspects, other areas of your life. And I love that because it, it goes hand in hand with one of the excerpts that feminist and activist Audre Lorde wrote in her powerful essay that you actually put me on, <laughs> Uses of the Erotic. I would actually love to read part of that, mm-hmm. but I would also love to hear from you what are the areas this notion of pleasure is translating to in your life the the poem was published in 1978 but one of my favorite quotes from it reads for the erotic is not a question of what we do it is a question of how acutely and fully we can feel in the doing for once we begin to feel deeply all the aspects of our lives We begin to demand from ourselves and from our life pursuits that they feel in accordance with that joy, which we know ourselves to be capable of. And so when we know we're capable of it, my like cliff notes, when we know we're capable of pleasure, that raises the bar and the standard that we can't lower in other types of experiences. Is that how it resonates with you? Absolutely. So it's so crazy that you like quote that exact phrasing because I was actually going to bring that that one up Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but it the the erotic is it it is so much more than just sex and all of these conversations around pleasure thinking about Adrienne Marie Brown's book pleasure activism like all of these conversations around pleasure is more than just sex we just live in such a hypersexualized Mm-hmm. hypersex positive not even it depends on what conversations we're having because it's like some kind of, it, it's sex positive if you live within the framework that they deem is acceptable and then, then anything outside of that is negative 
But it's so much more than just sex, sex, sex all the time. It's really about your inner hedonist and really being in tune and knowing what it is that makes you happy, what brings you joy, Mm -hmm. what makes you feel. All of these things go into your pleasure. And so it's we've been we've been raised to like fear the yes that lives within us. Mm-hmm. Audre Lord also says that that we've been fear been raised to fear the yes that's within us and, and to turn away from our deepest cravings. And when we do that, we find ourselves unfulfilled and are constantly walking around asking what is wrong with this. It's because you're not you're not you're not bringing joy into your life. And so uh, one of the questions that she also asked is, how does the erotic show up for you? For you, How does it show up for you? Where does it show up for you? And it can show up anywhere. It can mm-hmm. show up anywhere. For me, the erotic can show up in my workouts sometimes. I love to run. I love to walk. I love to exercise. And it's not, you know, because I am unhappy with my body, exercise puts me in, in a, a mental space that allows me to really create in a way that feels necessary and right for me. Mm-hmm. And so I can, in me working out, I feel powerful. I feel womanly. I feel sexy. Like that's erotic power for me. And so how it transcends into other areas of our lives and to, in my life in specific, it's also like me realizing that I am much more comfortable in saying to even a collaborator, I can't do this with you unless you pay me this amount of money. And then mm-hmm. if you can't honor that, then I can't, we, we, we have to find, I can't do it for you, or maybe we can find some other way to barter. But it's, it's no matter what, putting your yourself yes. first. Absolutely. Because that's Absolutely. what pleasure is. That's what seeking pleasure is. It's about no one else but ourselves. Absolutely. And, and so it's, it's having the courage, honestly. It's having the courage to say yes and allowing your yeses to be your yes and no. And allowing your no's to be your no and standing firm and knowing that you are knowing that your wants and your desires are, are meant to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So it could be where you actually give this experience to yourself. It's knowing that um, we have we can pick and choose. We're not going to get everything from one person. Pleasure is one about you giving it to yourself and then creating room for other people to also be in in this journey. But first, understand what it means to have pleasure within your own words and your own definition, so that when somebody else does come to your space. You are not so easily swayed or swayed at all, mm-hmm. honestly, to want to conform just because they might not like something the way that you like it. If you mm-hmm. don't, if, there's, if you can't agree on it, that is fine. But continue on your journey and allow them to continue on your journey, on their journey. Mm-hmm. It's about the balancing yes, the line between boundaries and needs. And you can't know your boundaries or your needs if you don't take the time to learn yourself. From the inside out. Yeah. Yes. I'm curious, you have this breakdown, and we've talked about this before, of how we can define the ways our bodies are explored. One is spirituality, two, sensuality, and three, sexuality. And I would love to hear, you know, I think we all understand how they are defined differently, but how do you see them overlapping between the three? 
So all of it, all of it is about relationship. All three are about relationship. All three are about, you know, are are personal. All three are allowing you to, you know, be in intimate community with yourself and are allowing you to create space and create a a sanctuary within your home Mm -hmm. and within your body. And And I think that's like, sorry to interrupt you, but I think that's like, you know, people don't often think of, you know, they think of sensuality and, and sexuality, but spirituality, they don't often think of it as overlapping with the other two. But I think what you just said nails it. It's you're seeing your body as your sanctuary, as your sacred place. And then it goes from there. Absolutely. We don't necessarily think about it as a form of spirituality. And that goes back to you know, the earlier points about religion and, and us not and being told not to, you know, bring God into sex. And I'm like, why not? He created it. Like, like mm-hmm. what, are we, what are we talking about? Yeah, it, it is. Sexuality it is a manifestation of living in, in our physical human body and our experiences of our humanness to the greatest extent and at the most intimate of our core. If we think about even our sexual partners, and that is being in spiritual community with somebody, that is a connection. We are, our bodies are exchanging our, our emotions, and that is a form of manifestation. It is a form of creation. That is where, that is where the birthing process is. Mm-hmm. And so for us to not think of spirituality as sexuality, we miss out on the full experience of it what it's like to to be fucked and to be made love to and we can feel the differences between the two Mm -hmm. and one is lacking the the emotions one is lacking the spirituality one is lacking the manifestations of it all whereas when we are in intentional about the way and with who we choose to connect to creates this beautiful experience within ourselves and within our chosen partners. And when we are really thinking about it at the height of it and using that energy and how we can use the energy, thinking about sex magic in particular to this, and how we can use that orgasmic energy to really speak affirmation over ourselves, over our life partners, to really begin to call things into ourselves, to really begin to say and think and visualize when I, I'm partnered right now and we partake in sex magic, be in the moment and to like really lock eyes and to constantly speak back and forth to one another. We're both creatives. He's an amazing photographer and videographer. Just to sit there and be in affirmation and constantly speaking life over one another, constantly using that that point in our in our, in our time together, our quality time together as a, as a way for us to really breathe more life into each other as individuals and into each other as a collective mm-hmm. and whether it is reminding him of his greatness as a creative as a black man as a son and as as a as an uncle and a brother as a partner that we are choosing to live our lives and how we you know think about having a, a family and um all of these things like that is our moment together to really use time to sit here and say, these are the things that I want. And so I'm putting this out there, but I'm choosing to put it out there intentionally with you. And that is where the spirituality Mm -hmm. kicks in when we're thinking about between the two of us. And solo, you can have sex magic, even solo. I have sex magic with myself quite frequently, honestly, truly. 
Mm-hmm. And, and to really just sit there and be in front of the mirror and locking eyes with my body and noticing the way that she responds and reacts to her own touch and mm-hmm. being the, the deliverer of your own orgasm will always be the greatest experience. Nobody can take that from you because that is your gift to yourself. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you're also sitting here and you're, you, you are reminding yourself that you are gorgeous, that you are goddess, that you are smart, that you are worthy. I, I want love in my life. And using that orgasmic energy to, to manifest itself beyond just your physical body, but your spiritual and um, holistic. Your, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. It is so much more when we really get down and, and have these in-depth conversations of what it means to have a body and urges and arousal and orgasms and all the things that go into it when we actually remember that this process is to create real and spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And by immersing ourselves in all of our senses. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I have one, one more question for you. Everything you've already talked about, all that to say, what do you think mental health and wellness conversations leave out when it comes to sexuality and sensuality? There's so many conversations around, you know, taking care of our our wellness and Mm -hmm. mindfulness, but you are actually integrating this conversation into that conversation. I think the, the most important thing that it is leaving out is the fact that Sexual energy is healing energy. A person who has a lot of sexual energy oftentimes has a lot of healing energy because we forget just, again, how healing sex is. And when we have these conversations about mental health, we are, all, we are talking about, you know, yoga and, and journaling and meditation and all things I'm an advocate for. I am a writer, so turning to my journal pages are are, are regular for me. But And also, it's also realizing that I'm also human and I have urges. And in order for me to understand, in order for me to explore, in order for me to, to, to note and embody these urges, I have to study them. I have to understand them. I can't ignore them. These conversations and allowing us to explore the same way that we tell people to figure out you know, mentally what it is that they need, whether it is, or physically what it is that they need and trying, you know, yoga, trying Pilates, trying just any way that we're telling people to stretch and and to to figure out what it is that their mental health needs. It's the same way that we need to be having these conversations around what our sexual needs, our sexual health, our sexual wealth. And so when we are having conversations around mental health, I would implore all of us to remember that we we are bodies. We have bodies. We Mm -hmm. are sexual beings. We'll always be sexual beings. And to ignore that doesn't really allow us to to really solidify or really activate our our complete and total, our our breath selves, basically. It's almost like how can we be achievable, liberated, state of mind if absolutely. one part of our being is still suppressed absolutely and it, it is and a lot of us have a lot of hang-ups 
on what it means to be sexually liberated in specific because of our upbringing, because of the ways that we are taught about it, especially within the Black community, especially with Black girls, because from the time that our parents find out that we there's a girl growing in her in her in their wombs, we automatically begin to sexualize their bodies, and then they come out, mm-hmm. and she's like two or three, four or five, ten or whatnot, and she's growing. And we look at her, and she has on the same shorts that some other little white girl has on, but because she's black and has more to her body, we sexualize her before we sexualize same little white girl and why are we teaching our girls to be ashamed of their bodies we can't help that we have hips and and curves and all of those things and we're teaching them to be afraid of it instead of teaching men any men black white whoever to respect it Mm-hmm. yeah it's like as we aspire to reach this level of wholeness um within ourselves we're still compartmentalizing ourselves and the pieces of ourselves so I appreciate that I really do and it's unfortunate that we're still in this space we're saying you know I love sex or I'm a a sexual being is Mm -hmm. a radical statement Mm because I don't think it should be and everything that you just said there's so much power in how we choose to use our bodies and I hope that I hope it becomes more normalized the more we have these kinds of conversations so thank you for being an advocate for them. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, there is more. Life, I Swear, intimate stories from Black women on identity, healing, and self-trust is a coffee table book that builds on the premise of the podcast. On each page, we chronicle the journeys of some of the voices you've heard here, a few others, and myself on living through pain and joy with honesty and unapologetic self-love. This book was curated with the intention to share the diversity of our experiences, the breadth of our personal resilience, and the way in which healing varies between us. With the young Black girls and women in every corner of the world in mind. To purchase the Life I Swear book, visit Amazon, Target, or Bonds & Nobles online. The book releases November 2nd, but pre-orders are very much welcome. Thank you for listening to Life I Swear. You can follow Life I Swear on Instagram. And if you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast fix and learn more at lifeiswear.com. I hope you join me next week for another episode. In the meantime, be well, friend.